You're listening to Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. This uh, episode, my guest is Melissa Palmer, who is a senior technologist with Veeam's Office of the CTO. Uh, she loves that big fancy title. I know that. <laughs> Stop. So she, but she is also, uh, if you've seen her on Twitter, she hasn't given up her Halloween title. She, she's still the V Mistress of Disaster. You bet I am. But you're the V Mistress of Recovery. I mean, you exactly. talk about disaster, but it's re- really recovery, and that's really where you, you know, you like the disasters because you like to recover. Let's be it, honest. That that's true. That's true. <laughs> so we want to really focus on, you know, last episode of the podcast, we had uh, Gil on. He talked about, you know, protecting yourself from a an insurance and liability standpoint and the efforts that it takes, because it's not an easy thing. You just don't walk up and say, I'd like some cyber insurance. <laughs> um, you probably have some choice words from the underwriters for that. So there's a lot of efforts to do that. But as we always talk about, you still have to ex- assume something bad's going to happen. And that's where the preparation, that's really where the rubber hits the road and can you recover? You recover what you have, and what does it take to do the recovery? And that's Melissa, where you shine, and that's why I wanted to talk to you for this episode. I thought it was a great follow up. Yeah, absolutely, and it's something I talk about all the time, actually. Yeah, so I think I think that the biggest things that, to talk about are number one, you know, just as a whole, what are we seeing out in the world? I don't think that people are as prepared as they think they are, and usually the first time they find out they aren't as prepared as they think they are is when there's a problem. Yeah, (laughs) that is true. And especially when it comes to ransomware specifically, a lot of people don't know where to start. So I have a little pearl of wisdom for them. And that is ransomware is a disaster. Simple, simple little theme. And it makes total sense because how is that any worse you know, it's really not about the hardware. It's about the zeros and ones. And if somebody's mangled your zeros and ones, how's that any different than a fire or tornado? All these natural disasters that we talk about happening, which have fractions of percentages of chances of actually happening that are the, seem to be the things that people talk about. What if my data center gets totally cratered? Well, what if it digitally gets cratered? And that's really what ransomware <laughs> is. And, you know, again, whether you have the insurance or not, people's first reactions. And I still think that it's it's a concept that we're fighting as well. The insurance will cover it. You know, you see these big, big things in the news. I mean, it's on the mainstream news at this point. Um, we were joking. What was there's Some of the cop shows are doing things on ransomware. The Simpsons had an episode on ransomware oh for crying out loud. So it's it's real. It's out there. But it's really, you know, paying that ransom. It's it's just like all the movies that you see. The last thing you want to do is pay pay people that are holding your data, your family, whatever you know. You know you you want Liam Neeson going after your data. You don't want to pay the <laughs> ransom. Exactly, and that's what a lot of people kind of were like. Well, I'll just pay or whatever. But the chan- um, the fact is that you don't necessarily recover everything if you pay the ransom. I know there's some statistics out there. Sophos has done some great work and great studies on it. And, you know, not everything is recovered, even if you pay. And really, ransomware, you should be laughing in the face of ransomware because you should be able to recover from it. It really isn't that difficult if you put in the work up front, right? So the time is now before you are impacted by ransomware to get ready to recover. And like I said, ransomware is a disaster. So that disaster recovery plan is a great place to start with two caveats. It needs to be up to date 
which is hard, right? That's a resource intensive process. As soon as you, uh, I was on a call a while ago and people were talking about printing it out and laminating your disaster recovery plan. And I'm like, that's the worst advice I've ever <laughs> heard in my entire life. chisel it in stone, life. make it permanent. Um, it's, it's not the 10 commandments. But it's as soon as document. like, if you're manually updating, right, as soon as you update that thing and print it, it's out of date basically. So you yeah. need to be able to keep it up to me, up to date automatically. And then you need to test it on a regular basis. And I mean yeah. a real test, not a, oh, well, I'm going to recover three servers to say I passed my DR test to please the auditors. You need to test the full app level recovery, and then you need to test it at scale, right? It's one thing to recover one app, but what happens when I need to recover all of my apps? How is my environment going to handle that? So you need to be kind of doing iterative testing and testing all the different scenarios, right? Okay, am I recovering in place because I've been ransomware? Am I recovering to my DR site because I've been ransomware? Or do I need to come up with a third scenario too in case the government comes in and says, hey, you can't touch a thing now because we're investigating this. Um, you better have an offsite copy of your data someplace to leverage those recovery resources, right? So it really comes down to uh, documentation, documentation and testing and keeping those up to date and testing those different recovery scenarios. Yeah. And an interesting thought I just had uh, was a lot of people that I've talked to about this are like, well, you know, if something happens and I can't get to the servers, I can just order new ones and I can have them in a few yeah, days. Yeah, no, not, not anymore. <laughs> I was just with somebody the other day who said they had lead times. And keep in mind that this is around Thanksgiving time that we're recording, but it's uh, they their lead time for their servers was July 4th of next year. Oh, can wow. you imagine saying that you would pick up your, you know, well, I have a copy of the data. I just need something to put it on. You're not picking up the phone and ordering racks of servers and having them delivered. So I remember um, this had to be like probably pushing 10 years ago. We had some issue where I worked and they rush ordered a storage array to fix it. Like we had that How storage array. That like, I don't even know. Probably a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money because it was from a company that no longer exists, by the way, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, and like they rush ordered it. And it was there in like a week. It but that's crazy. a week of downtime still. That's well, it was like kind of like half working. Okay. It was like the, the storage array, the current one was kind of like limping around. Gotcha. Like, like really slow and bad and kind of like wasn't completely wow. over dead. Um, but they're like, yeah, we'll just rush order a new one. And yeah, boom, but, it shows up in a week. It's up and running. It was crazy. Wow. But that's but that, that the, the, the real moral of that story is don't put the recovery of your data in the hands of things you can't control like exactly. supply chain management. Um, as we all know, that right now is a serious problem. So, you know, have, like you said, I love the idea of the multiple scenarios, what happens if, and that's really, you know, honestly, you can have some fun. It's kind of morbid fun but I, sitting I, around the table. You love it's that fun stuff. For me, I was doing, I was actually, uh, yesterday, I was doing something along those lines. And I yeah. was like, this is, this is great. Thinking of um, all these ways that your data and your data center can be destroyed, how you can but, recover but that, it. That's what you have to do. And that's the thing. Disaster recovery planning can be seen as two things, like boring and morbid, basically, right? Because yeah. you're planning for something bad to happen. And ooh, documentation and testing seems kind of boring. Um, but it's one of those necessary evils. And because it usually takes so much time, it's one of those things that people don't do. Because uh, they don't have the time, they don't have the resources. So it's yeah. important to automate all of that stuff as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a really good point. And we're so far ahead of where we used to be on the on the automation capabilities of things. Um, you just didn't have that before. I used to work for a company that provided DR services. And I remember back in the day taking your your piles of, of CDs and DVDs and hard disk drives <laughs> and tapes 
and going to a center and saying, we'll see you in 72 hours, I guess. I've, I've, I've done those too. Like, yeah. let's lock everybody in the data center for the weekend. Yes. And, and see what can come up. And I remember also that success was considered anything above 80%. Right. As long as it's like working good enough. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Right. It, it's fine. You passed. Yeah. Cause my, my thing was, you know, they, cause I, I've done them and they, where they said, yeah, we can get you back at 70% of your capacity. And it's like, well, let's, let's dig into that. Does that mean it's going to be 70% of my stuff's going to be working or I have 70% of the compute power that I had before. And if I've seen it work both ways where it's like, okay. You know, and yeah. I've done, I've done like crazy stuff to help customers plan for this. In my prior life, we had a situation where um, we had a new environment going in and just because of scheduling and the way they were doing things, they were changing a lot. It was like site A and site B. Phase one was site A, phase two was site B. So there was this period of time where we didn't have a mirrored environment in site B. So like we kind of worked the numbers and came up with, okay, well, if new site A, if site A goes down with all the new stuff, site B, we need to turn off dev and test. And then we'll have enough room to recover only the new production in the meantime. So dev and test we're going to have to talk to the business and accept that our RTOs are going to be a lot longer till we get this new environment in, but we have figured out a way that we can at least recover all of production. Yeah. And, and that again, but you have to have that documented. You do not want to be running around ripping and tearing. No, it's at, again, it's all stuff that you happen. need to document, test and try ahead of time. Yeah. And don't assume that, you know, what if, what if the hardware, <laughs> the bezel's the same, but nothing inside's the same. That's, that's a bad <laughs> time to find out that nothing's going to boot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of those things. And, and I think that there's an untapped market. And I think as I've talked with, with the partners that I talk to, more and more of them are getting involved on the cyber insurance um, auditing to prepare for getting the, a, a, an insurance policy. So they're get, they're getting more astute at that. But I think that there is an opportunity in there for them as well that they can pre provide the implementation of these services. I think that a lot of folks aren't doing it because they don't even know where to start. Yeah, and, and that's really where partners can kind of come in and add tremendous, tremendous, about, tremendous, tremendous amounts of value. Like, for example, a lot of customers might not even realize what they have in their environment that they need to protect, right? They could be have a ton mm -hmm. of stuff that's not even backed up and they don't know about it because you know, somebody else did it, whatever. Yep. Um, so that's a really good baseline. And then, you know, talking about things like those recovery point objectives, RPOs, and recovery time objectives, RTOs. A lot of customers don't even have them defined for applications, right? Just kind of have that neutral third party come in, mm -hmm. gather the troops, get the app owners, the infra teams, the C-levels, everybody in the same room speaking the same language and say, okay, we need to go through our applications. We need to classify them. And we need to figure out our RPOs and RTOs and why those values are. And then we need to start testing them. Right. So there's tremendous values that partners can provide by, you know, working with their customers as that trusted advisor and helping them get ready because yeah, a lot of people just aren't. Yeah. I think that, and there's a lot, and everything you said is what I see as, as the partners that I talk to their favorite thing, consulting dollars, services dollars. That's great opportunity for margin. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, and it's using exactly what they want to be using, which is their knowledge and expertise. Um, yeah, it's, it's, to bring, bring I, I what you've the, learned from your history. That's that's you what consulting's about. Right before the whole world like shut down, you and I were actually at a partner doing exactly that. We were a demo, yes. demoing Veeam Disaster Recovery <laughs> Orchestrator and having this talk with them. Right here are some services that you guys can do, and all this kind of good stuff. And then, and then everything 
Yeah. And then, yeah, it's the last time I've seen you in person. That disaster. was two plus years ago. Yes, <laughs> the, the ultimate disaster. Yes, I've been stuck in the basement ever since. But the uh, you're absolutely right. And I think that this is a conversation that more folks need to have because I think that most all partners have the know-how and the capabilities on staff. They just need to organize it and have a solution that they can present. And there is no such thing in this case as a canned solution. And I think that's what makes it tough. Yeah, it's not canned, but you can kind of get down the different processes that you're going to have to repeat for each and every customer, like doing that business impact analysis to figure out those RPOs and RTOs. It's going to work out somewhat different for everybody, but the same process that you would run them through um, is going to be the same, right? Implementation services. Here's another good one, application dependency mapping, right? Mm. That's yeah. a good one for the partner to get in there, put in some tools or work with the app teams to figure out, okay, you think this is what your application is. So yeah. We've put in some tools and we see otherwise. We see things talking to things that you don't have on this list, right? That's another big thing to make sure <laughs> yes. that everything comes up together and in the right order and all that stuff. So yeah, there's just kind of so much that partners can do for their customers. And the, here's the paradigm shift, right? And I know you had a very special guest for the last episode, and I have a lot (laughs) to live up to. But at Veeam, you know, at Veeam and with our partners, we're used to talking to like the backup and the infrastructure people. This conversation's a little different because the infosec people are the ones with the money and the ones that probably care the most about protecting themselves against ransomware. So it's a little different. Um, It's different conversations. It's different kind of personas that you're going to be working with. Mm-hmm. And disaster recovery many times does actually sit with information security. Yeah, I, that, that's a really good point because I'm finding that as our product portfolio expands, so should our conversations. It's not just the storage and data center people anymore. And that's a very valid point. Security, first off, if you're if you're dealing with backups and you're not dealing with the security team, you're that's not really covering all your backups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and if you as the partner sales team, pre-sales team are not bringing them to the table and saying, hey, you should invite your security people. And they're not, that's a problem. They should, the the customer should be at least saying, hey, I'm going to have my security guy on this call. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, and I say guy is a generic term. Mm-hmm. That's no offense. Please. None taken. I'm, thank you. Um, I got to start using new generic terms that are PG. I have other terms I call people, but they not for this podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's what they need to do is make sure that everybody who has a stake in this has a seat at the table. And that's the hardest part, which is why partners shine here, because it's easier for them to come in a third party and say, hey, to make this project successful, we need to talk to everybody versus the backup people trying to go to the security people or vice versa um, to kind of have that authoritative, trusted advisor come and say, hey, this is what we need to do to get things going. And we all need to work together. I remember um, in my previous life when I worked for a different vendor, a storage vendor uh, with a big blue N, uh, I was in meetings with a with the network team, with whatever team, because we were working on this new solution and all this stuff. And the partner was the one who brought us all together. And I was yeah. literally, it was funny. Everybody was at their different tables. And I was literally, because I have a bit of a networking background, I was like going between the tables, <laughs> like, okay, Here's we want to do NAS storage for VMware network team. Here's like how we would set this up and all this other stuff. Okay, storage team. Here's what network team is saying. Maybe we should go back to them and talk about this. Okay, now back to the network team. Like we got everybody in this massive conference room with the partner leading a workshop and everybody just worked together and figured it out. 
And that's brilliant. And I, I think that that's some, something because I, I used to run a training session for a company I used to work for, a large company that, uh, you know, is one of the cloud providers now. I'll let you figure out which one. They, they, <laughs> but I used to run this workshop that, that kind of did the same thing. And it was like, you you know, teaching the partners to bring the stakeholders. To, it becomes group therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's almost like, you know, hey, uh, data center team, have you met your, your own security team? Data center team, have you met your own, um, you know, app development team, you know, you're not just backing up data anymore. You start talking about containers, you start talking about all these different things. You're the collab team. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people where they've forgotten that the, you know, they still have data out in uh, SaaS apps. Oops. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had security people stop dead in their tracks when they go, what do you mean that's not backed up anymore? It's like, well, if it left the prem, it's not being backed up by the traditional products anymore. Oops. Is anybody doing anything? And the, you know, the security people, it's like, I got to make a phone call. And they just walk away from the table <laughs> at the conference and they, they're like, what's this you're telling me about this? I thought everything was being backed up. It's like, well, yeah, that's not us anymore. Cause now that you got to talk to the collab team, you don't talk to the data center or storage team. You know, it's not in the, in the data center ops anymore. It's with the collab team. It's with the software development team. It's mm -hmm. with the cloud team. Um, and you got to identify all those stakeholders or else you're not going to have a thorough plan. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, what can we do as Veeam then to help these folks? I mean, I'll bring it back to the Veeamy thing. And I know you are one, you're, you're the one who shouts from the mountaintops for our Veeam disaster recovery orchestrator, which yes. I will call orchestrator from here on out because I'm not saying it's that a, mouthful. It's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> I will admit that. A previously known as Veeam availability orchestrator. So if you ever heard that term, this is the same product with a new name. And what it basically is, is, you know, I've been harping on for, I can't remember how long, how it's about recovery and automatic documentation, and automatic testing. And it will do that for you for your VMware virtual machines. Uh, my background is very heavy VMware, VMware certified design experts. And when I joined Veeam, um, I just like immediately gravitated this way. And it sort of worked out, especially with some of the disaster recovery stuff I've done in the past. So really what that's going to give you is the ability to create disaster recovery plans for everything, right? For all your data from the mission critical workloads protected by Veeam CDP to regular replicas to some storage arrays to recovering backups, hint, hint, from <laughs> ransomware. Um, you can do it all with the same tool. It's a really easy to use HTML5 interface. You can create the plans and you can even lock it down in such a manner through something we call site scopes, where you can say, okay, app team, you log in orchestrator. All you can see is your VMs, the plan steps that you need to add to your disaster recovery plan and the recovery locations, which is just like a logical group of your vSphere resources that you are allowed to recover to. So you can actually hand this over to the app teams. They can create plans. They can test their own plans. And what the magic part of this is, especially kind of tail end off of some of this cyber stuff, is when you run an automated disaster recovery task, we're going to leverage Veeam Data Labs under the cover which just means we're going to start up an isolated copy of your production environment. So you can wreak havoc on this thing. The new person who joined the team, yeah, give them access and they can actually get that access through the orchestrator UI. They can just pop open the console for their VMs right there, log in, do all their stuff, break all their things. But one of the big things out there, of course, is these constant vulnerabilities that come out, right? And it's like, oh, look, it's exploit Wednesday, we had patch Tuesday come out and all this stuff is broken now and we need to rapidly patch it. You can use that disaster recovery environment for patch testing after you run your DR test, right? So you can 
Um, leave it running for as long as you want. Get in there, test your patches, make sure everything's good to go, and then quickly patch your environment afterwards because now you have the proof that, hey, everything's going to work out okay. So there's really kind of endless possibilities with this, um, especially when it comes to testing, right? So we can test all different ways. I can test one plan. I can test two plans. I can test three plans. I can chain them together. I can do all sorts of crazy things to simulate an actual recovery and really decide, can I meet my RTOs or not? Right. That That's the thing at the end of the day. I, I, I'm starting to hear this notion of people paying ransom because they can't recover fast enough, which to me is absolutely crazy because, okay, first of all, like I said, you're not recovering all your data most of the time anyway. And secondly, Somebody, some evil person encrypted your data, then decrypted it. The integrity of that data is gone. So even if you recover quickly to get back online, you still need to restore that from backup. That is trash in my world after that from a cybersecurity perspective, right? So by testing recovery, and again, these tests can be run on demand or just scheduled to run whenever you want. And you can test all different ways, all different kind of outcomes you can find out what your RTOs are going to be and if you can meet them or not. If you can meet them, great. If not, now you have the time to go figure something out and fix things so when disaster does strike, you will be able to meet those RTOs. For me, RPOs are the easy part, um, especially with Beam, right? We've got CDP, we've got regular replicas, we've got um, storage support and orchestrator, we got backups. And um, I actually did a session for VMworld this year about designing for disaster where I went through like, you know, tier one through four workloads and said, here are all the different ways you can meet your RPOs and RTOs. RPOs to me are child's play and the easiest. The trick is the RTO, right? Meeting that, meeting that recovery time objective, especially at scale and especially when multiple applications and systems are involved. So you have to test it. You just yeah. have to test it. There's no other way. Well, so I've been saying for, for ages now, backups are table stakes. Any product you get is going to be able to back up your data. Yeah. It's, it's the other side of that. So with Veeam backup and its replication, I think that the R should be recovery. Uh, so I, I, I kind of joked about <laughs> a year and a half ago, I said, I'm not going to talk about backup anymore. I'm only going to start talking about recovery. But if we talk about Veeam backup and replication specifically, there are 91 ways to recover your data with Veeam backup and replication. So I'm just talking about orchestrated VMware recovery now, but there are 91 different ways to recover your data. So no matter what scenario you're under, right, there's a way to one. recover. Yeah, I, I, it's amazing because all this runs on an engine. And I think I've, I've talked about it in other episodes of the podcast. One of the most powerful yet most underused features of our suite is the uh, data labs. Yeah. And the virtual labs. The, the fact that more people aren't using that for anything, forget about, you know, you know, for the moment, putting orchestrator on top of it, just even the basics of using it to test patches on your critical servers. But that is the engine that gives you the power to do so many things. That so many people aren't using it. You know, honestly, I think it comes down to a lot of these backup teams that I've worked with are so stressed out and so understaffed and don't have the time. And that's part of what Orchestrator can do, right? We can kind of, once we set up the data labs, you put Orchestrator on top of it and the app teams can go in self-service, start their labs, stop their labs, do their tests, do everything on their own. Because the backup team, look, if you're looking at a wide scale recovery or testing, they're a bottleneck. I mean, I love backup teams, but I don't want to be the person sitting in front of the backup and replication console trying to recover a whole data center by myself. 
Like, I don't think yeah. anybody wants to do that with the CEO, the CTO, everybody breathing down their neck, staring at them because you're going to be nervous and you're probably going to mess up. And one human just simply can't handle that. Well, Murphy's Law says that person is on vacation in the mountains and inaccessible when all yeah, this right? happens anyway, you know, so. <laughs> true, true. You know, or they're the ones that caused it on their way out the door because they were disgruntled. There's always that chance too. Mm, yeah, that's true too. But so. I think a lot of it is the technology is there, but sometimes um, people just don't have the time, right? To really yeah. dive into deep into what everything, uh, everything Veeam has to offer. And I think data labs are one of those things. Um I don't know why, but for some reason, it seems like data labs have a reputation for being difficult. And like, okay, maybe the first time you do it, it's a little, I don't know. I don't even want to use the word difficult. It's a little bit of a process, right? But there is a wizard that brings you through it, but there's a lot of options. So if you've never done it before, it's easy to kind of like shoot yourself in the foot and pick the wrong one. But once you get through it once and figure it out once and get it working once, it's just rinse and repeat. Yeah. I mean, the basic one couldn't be easier. I mean, I, I set it up in my lab because I could. Um, yeah. I don't even think yeah. to make the basic one work, you don't actually need to change anything. You just start it's, the wizard and click next all the way through and it just works. You're right. Because basically all it's doing is creating a, an unroutable network and then putting up the proxy device. Exactly. That just turns on. I mean, it's and when you look at it in the background, it's like, okay. This it's when you get into here. like distributed virtual switches sure. and, you know, I want to run an application on multiple VMware hosts. That's when it starts getting a little, again, I don't want to exactly. use the word complicated or difficult, but um, that's when it gets a little more involved in configuration. You need a little more expertise on yes. your environment before you can can do that. A little more. It's little still, it's still pretty easy, but once it's set up, that's once. Exactly. That's not, you're not setting that up every time. And that's what that's, again, you know, I go back to the value the partners can bring. Helping people to set that up. Oh, that's tremendous one. value. It should be you part know, we're just of going to set all this stuff yeah. up and hand you the keys, and you're good to go. Yeah, I, I, I've said before, and, and you know, somebody probably won't like me saying this, but I think one of the biggest disservices we've done is always talking about how easy our products are to set up, and they are. So you can set up and be backing something up in an hour. Obviously, you can you can get the basics going. You can run a, a demo. You can do a pilot quickly and easily. But I always say. It's easy to start, but it takes a deft touch to make it work perfectly. And it's and not even perfectly, I would say. It's to make it work for everything because chances are a lot of our customers are using Beam Backup and Replication, but they're not using all of the different features that they could mm -hmm. be using. And it could be making their lives easier and it could be making their lives better, but they just don't know any better because they spent an hour installing it and just configured all their backup jobs, right? So again, that's where those partners could come in as those trusted advisors um, and walk them through kind of all the features and functionality, set it up for them or set it up with them, kind of, you know, to teach them how to fish um, model mm -hmm. and kind of go over everything and make sure, okay, what are the requirements in this environment? What is it that we really need to do? And then what is painful right now as we're starting this new journey uh, with this new backup tool or as we're upgrading it? What's not working for you from a process perspective or a technology perspective? Like, what are your stumbling blocks so we can fix them? Because I guarantee... That's one of the most beautiful things about Veeam being software defined and vendor agnostic. I guarantee mm -hmm. there's a way to meet whatever those requirements are and fix whatever issues might be going on. It's it's funny you say that because I have had those, you know, back in the the before times when we would go out to, you know, be at conferences and stuff. And I'd have people come and say, I love your product, but I wish it did this. And you just kind of look at it. Does. Go, it, it probably does. does. Yeah, it does. It got, you know it does. And then you real quick look up their records like and you own the component that that you need in order to do it. It's not even going to cost you. It's going to cost you some time. And it's like, let, you know, 
let me let me make sure your partner calls and, and does it. So I think if we can, what I want to do, my my goal, you know, it's the end of 2021, 2022, I want to make about the recovery, which I know will just, you know, endear me to you. I'm with uh, you on that. It is about recovery. <laughs> and, you know, that's funny. Um, So when I worked for the storage company, I was a brand new SE. I didn't know much about storage when I started there, honestly. I knew it all from the VMware perspective. But one of my first big projects was backup storage. <laughs> like I was like, I didn't know what I was doing anyway. But the customer kept on saying, we have to meet our backup window. We have to meet our backup window. We have to back up in eight hours or whatever. So I'm like trying to put together some storage configuration, whatever. And I, I got like a, what we had um, like consulting engineers who were specialists in other areas. And I, I called the backup guy and I'm like, I need some help here. And he goes, well, Melissa, what about recovering? I'm like, what do you mean? What about recovering? They're telling me their their requirement is, and remember, I didn't know much about storage back then, is they have to back up in this amount of time. He's like, yeah, but how long do they have to recover? I'm like, well, they didn't say anything about recovering. They just said backing up. And it turns out the customer had no idea either about how long they needed to recover. And they weren't even thinking about recover. They're just like, well, we're getting hammered right now because we're not meeting, you know, our backup jobs are running over and we're not meeting our backup window. And that's all we're focused on. And that was where um, the consulting engineer came in and the partner as well. And we kind of had a big powwow with the customer of like, okay, we understand this and we need to back this up in a certain amount of time, but what about recovering? We need to start talking about how long it it's going to take you to recover and all that stuff. And that was a lesson um, that kind of have stuck with me since then. It's not about backup. It's actually about recovery. And that's something that I've just kind of thought about. And I've done some weird stuff when, when I was at the storage company for recovery. Like I did really weird designs and stuff that people were like, wait, why are you putting flash cache in a backup repository? I'm like, because when you start all the stuff off the big SATA disks, it's going to run like garbage. Yeah. And at least we can cache the bootstorm and make it run less like garbage. Yeah. Um, so people thought I was crazy for putting cache in a ba uh, backup repository. And now people are building those devices just like that oh for yeah that now people yeah. are building all flash backup <laughs> repositories i was like, I know. ahead of my time i know things. thank god flash is getting cheaper right i know I, uh, I found a blog right. post that i wrote about uh different methods of booting vmware and all that kind of stuff and i referred to storage as expensive as sas disks as expensive i'm like okay this is like really really old i need to update this <laughs> sas is expensive yeah it good. was at one do the, point do those you know, do some 15k SCSI or some, you know, some yeah, 15k yeah. SAS, man. That was like that was like the gold standard when I was uh in the throes of the storage. Flash was just starting, and I was like, all right, we're gonna do 15k SAS drives and flat and um yeah flash cards in the array, right? It wasn't even disks; it was right. cards for those. It's just big caches, yeah. It wasn't caches. really a disk, yeah. Like it wasn't even like it's crazy <laughs> how much things have changed in just a couple of years. I know. So there's a new version of Orchestrator on the horizon. Do you want to talk a yeah, little bit about so, what's hot with that? I think absolutely. by the time people are listening to this, it will have been released. So. Yeah, so Veeam Disaster Recovery Orchestrator version 5. So uh, one interesting feature is the name change is now complete. So in the UI, you will now see Veeam Disaster Recovery Orchestrator. There's a great new dashboard with enhancement. So if you have some kind of check in your environment that's failed, it's now going to come right up on the dashboard. You can click on it and it'll pop up the error message on what's wrong. So you can go and fix it real quick. That's really nifty. There is a whole new view called inventory view where we list all of the groups of VMs in your environment. So orchestrator can group VMs a couple different ways. Backup and replication jobs, of course, vSphere tags, storage volume. So you can see all of that from one view. 
And what's even better is you can see if it's protected or unprotected by orchestrator. So if I clicked on a backup and replication job, it would tell me, yes, you're protected in this orchestration plan or no, this is unprotected and you better fix it. And then last but certainly not least, uh, support for more enterprise-grade storage. So we're now integrating with Snapshot Recovery Orchestration for HP Primera, HP 3PAR, and HP Electra 9000. So we've nice. got some HP storage joining the NetApp and Lenovo family as well. So really, no matter how you're protecting your data, uh, Orchestrator is really great for recovery. Uh, you'll also see, just like um, from a partner perspective, so... I guess I should mention my second personality <laughs> since we're talking of partners, Eric. I'm also the product marketing manager for Orchestrator. So I'm the marketing person and the technology person, which is a little crazy. But I have completely revamped all of the messaging, um, new enablement resources, kind of everything to make it a lot more streamlined, hopefully, and a lot more easier and make it resonate more for your customers. Just kind of brief spoiler alert, and you'll have access to all these materials through ProPartner. Um, core capabilities are going to be about reducing risk, right? Because we're providing DR for all the applications, maximizing availability and testing those patches and testing those DR plans. Saving time with automatic documentation and testing, of course, and then restoring confidence in your customer's ability to recover because guess what? Every time we do something in Orchestrator, we have a report, right? We have your DR plan, which is gonna have a full audit log. We have these readiness checks, which are checking your RPO. When you run a DR test, that has a document as well. And there's a fourth kind of document called the execution report, which is the one I hope no one ever has to look at, but if you actually execute a recovery with Orchestrator, that of course is fully documented as well. So there's a lot of new resources. I mean, Eric and I were actually talking about before we started this recording of some things we're maybe planning on doing. So there are so many more resources um, coming out for this product to help you take it further and help you kind of grow that footprint and add some you know, great services around Orchestrator. And really at the end of the day, help your customers have the confidence that they're ready for a disaster like ransomware. Yeah, we have a lot. That's that's a lot for a, a, a next version. And it's really exciting to hear that, the, you know, the updates to the UI, because I think that that's... That was that, confusing for a little while. But that's where lie. the rubber hits the road, you know, to use that phrase again in this call. But it's uh, it's really, the easier you make it to view, the it's easier it's so going to be for people. It's so easy. It uh, really that's, is. It's that's an great. HTML5 interface. And again, this is something that people hand off to their apps owners and ops teams on a regular basis because, we, like I said, we can lock down all the different scopes. Um, HTML5 interface, I might have used it from my iPhone at one point. I don't think that's technically supported, but hey, it kind of works. If it's HTML5, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? I don't know if I'd use it from, I don't know if I'd want to look at it on my phone. It's a small screen, but iPad, I'd go for it. I might have done that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but again, really simple to use. And that, that's what it's about, right? Because yeah. look, disaster recovery and all this stuff is stressful enough. Uh, we want to make it easier. It's all about kind of stress-free recovery here. Yeah. And and, and then the, the uh, you know vein of making it easier, you, you've added a lot of training. So partners need to check out uh, VMIQ through the pro partner site because there's, there's new trainings there and coming more. And I think that, uh, like we were talking about, we have some some big ideas for what we want to do in 2022 because it's going to be the year of the recovery. 
Um, <laughs> I'm glad someone is finally. I'm glad someone is finally getting on this boat with me. I think it was last summer I decided. Like I said, last summer I decided I'm not going to talk about backup now, only recovery. And it seems like people are starting to come around this idea. So I'm yeah, I'm you. I'm excited because I think that's the converse. That's really the conversation people want to have. I think I think we've had enough over the last did two I years of you? doom Wait. and gloom. Let's talk about things getting better. Eric, did I tell you that I got ransomware in the cloud? You did. I saw that on Twitter, okay, so I gotta actually. i got to tell too. this story real quick. <laughs> okay, go for it. So it uh, involves my beloved orchestrator. So I was doing a project for Vimon where I was doing some orchestrate stuff with IBM Cloud. Sounds great. I log in one day, and I think I logged into – I was logging into my backup and replication server, and, like, nothing worked. It was really weird. Like, none of the icons worked or whatever. So, like, I rebooted it, and I'm like – and, by the way, I was using a local repository because whatever. But there's more to that because I was using scale-out backup repository and <laughs> sending my backups to the cloud, which is about to become really important. So I log back in again, and there's like this little text file, like, you've been ransomware, send Bitcoin to whatever. And I'm like, oh, man. So uh, I nuked the server from Orbit. I just deleted it. Sure. And what I did is I went over my orchestrator server, which was fine, by the way. And Orchestrator has an embedded version of Veeam Backup and Replication on it. So you basically, when you go through the Orchestrator configuration process, you'll push an agent to all of your BNR servers in your environment so that it understands, hey, here's all the jobs you have configured. You don't need to like reconfigure backup jobs or anything like that. That's silly. Um, you just leverage everything you already have configured. So I head on over to my embedded backup and replication. I add my uh, cloud backup repository. I rescan everything, and guess what? My backups were there, and I was ready to recover in less than six minutes. And it, that took so long because I had to go get my like storage key from Azure or something like that. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find it in the Azure UI. Like I couldn't remember where it was, like my storage account or whatever. Yeah, so I was like, you're, you're not going to memorize that. Like, so. it, 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 that's why it kind of took so long. So um, yeah, that's my fun ransomware recovery with uh, orchestrator. Yeah, it's everybody, yeah. folks. It does. It, it's you know, don't feel bad. The I, other I was, I that like, story is. So don't excited. keep so many ports open on your box. Out to oh, yeah. I, mine was, uh, I had ransomware deployment protocol open, RDP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't care. Like, it was my lab. It, uh, I, I follow yeah. worse practices in my lab, by the way. Don't do what I do in my lab. Uh, but I'm, I was just I'm the same like, way. I need, I need it to work to show something. If I, I don't care to do it how it works. Down. Exactly. It forever. Um, but I was actually excited. I felt like it was winning the lottery to get <laughs> ransomware because I'm like, finally, now I kind of see this and whatever, and I understand a little more. So oh, that's just uh, terrific. I, I enjoyed that little exercise. And uh, it happens to everyone. Oh no, yeah, my backups yeah. were encrypted. Oh no, because it was a locally attached repository. That's why we have um, now my backups weren't immutable in Azure, but they were fine. Um, right. But like, that's why we have a copy of our data that's immutable yeah. someplace. So that can't happen. Exactly. Well, and that's next version for Azure. So, you know, coming super soon. We don't have to worry about that so, um, uh, for Azure. Yeah, anyway. immutable we backups. Please, do it. please, everybody have an immutable copy of your backups. Remember, yeah. immutability means the hackers can't delete it or change it, which means they can't encrypt your backup data. Yep. And these people are going after backup data because if you're a hacker, you're going to wreak the most chaos. So VMware environments are going after ESXi hosts. If they get one host, they own your own cl whole cluster, by the way, because remember, cluster resources, each host sees every data store, you're done. Um, and the same thing, they're going up after backup repos. So Yeah. And the other thing that I always remind people, when you're building an immutable repository, don't build it on a VM. <laughs> that's great for the lab. I do it in the lab. And I always, again, it's the, you know, well, that's as I the, say, that not as I do. You can't do it now because, again, this VMware ransomware is a thing now. So, yeah. again, if your VMware environment's down, you need to be able to rapidly rebuild ESXi from scratch. 
That's a yeah. whole nother thing I talk about and I'm putting out more content around. Um, I have a bunch of YouTube videos planned on that. I have a blog post on VMware ransomware. So I'm planning some more assets around that as well um, on my blog, just because like I'm watching people have their ESXi environments completely owned and they don't know how to recover ESXi. Cause again, you install it once and you just keep upgrading it and everything's good. How often do you reinstall ESXi? So it's all about testing automated builds and all that good stuff, which is super easy to do because you can do it all nested. Um, you know, I'm talking about having a little air-gapped vSphere cluster where you have like your essential services and stuff like that, or even using um, one of the VMware cloud solutions to recover to kind of have a small environment ready and waiting for you that you could rapidly spin up. I mean, there's so many ways to protect yourself, no matter what your budget is, no matter what your requirements are, there is a way that you will be able to architect a solution, especially with Veeam, that you will not be paying the ransom because you're encrypted, right? That will not be the real reason if you pay if you pay. And that's that's the moral of the story. Don't don't pay these people. Don't 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 feed them dinner. Don't buy their dinner for them tonight. <laughs> but they, Actually, you... I, I was reading. So I'm like really fascinated by a lot of this ransomware stuff. Like I just, I just read all the time about it. And these ransomware as a service groups with the affiliate model where you get twenty uh, percent of the ransom. It, it's yeah. nuts. Nothing right? like yeah, multi level marketing ransomware. No. It is. It's exactly that. It is totally insane. Which means the barrier for entry is so low. If anybody can get in, they can go yeah. to one of these ransomware as a service uh, groups and just like completely. That's terrible. I, I, it makes sense. And I, I remember seeing you posted like a, a job description that they were trying to yes, hire somebody. Yes. <laughs> yeah. they, have, they, they have crazy like HR marketing departments, everything, these That's, organizations. I, I just um, thinking of them as an HR department, the most like immoral group you could ever have that are out there basically. But don't worry, you get like paid vacation yeah. and all this other stuff, reasonable <laughs> working hours. It's, it's insane. Uh, and uh, apparently uh, a lot of these are ransomware people favor BMWs. So I've apparently they all go buy really nice BMWs after they've been working as ransomware operators for a while. It's like a thing. So is that the thing? You see somebody that doesn't look like they should be able to afford BMW driving a BMW. They probably. Well, when they've got got the hoodie and the sunglasses on with it, it's kind of like, let's see, you've got a hoodie. Yeah. The hacker uniform. Yeah. You're driving a BMW. (laughs) Uh, I was trying to figure out what color BMW they would get though. I'm going to go with a dark gray or black. Dark gray or black. I think so. That that just sounds like it fits because, you know. Kind of blends into the crowd. Not, I could think maybe loud. like Conti cotton candy pink or something like that. Revil red. Like, uh, see, I don't, I don't know. know if they want to stand out. Do, do they want to? Do they want to be out there peacocking like that? <laughs> you know. So you you mentioned your blogs. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about? Yeah, uh, head on over to vmis.net. You can find me there. I'm vmis33 on Twitter. I've been doing a lot of TikToking lately. You can find me vmis33 there as well. And there's a link to my YouTube, I think it's Vemus or Vemus 33 too, off of my website at vemus.net. So like I said, I have a bunch of stuff planned for YouTube because I'm finally conquering my fear of OBS and making videos. <laughs> um, finally, it's taken me this long, but I, I've been doing some testing and stuff. So I'm hoping to record some of my stuff about you know ransomware, especially in the VMware world. Cool. Well, I, I am an OBS user, so I'm not saying oh, I'm good. an expert, but I'd be happy to, oh, to share tips and problems, tricks. Yes. I can come to you. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, I, I have it set up. I've done it for live streaming and I've done it for uh, for recording. I so. don't I don't know if I'm ready for a live stream. I tend to do better live than recorded, but I don't know if I'm ready for that level of commitment yet. Uh, that's, that's pressure. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Well, Melissa, I thank you so much for joining My me pleasure. today. My pleasure. Anytime. This has been awesome. And uh, yeah, so definitely I mean, next year when we get into the year of recovery, we'll have to have some additional uh, conversations about, uh, you know, more recovery options and, and what we can do to help uh, partners get out there. I think it's a great way for them to expand within the customers they already have. You know, exactly. I never want to hear I'm out of customers to sell to. Especially with Veeam Disaster Recovery Orchestrator, right? So we actually have something called the DR Pack. So you can consume it for however many VMs you want. Um, and then we have something called the DR Pack where you protect all of the VMs in your environment. You can add it to an existing backup and replication or a VAS install or a net new one. And there's a really significant discount for your customer when you add everything in the environment, like the DR pack too. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different ways to consume this as well. And it's, it's a pretty easy uh, way to kind of grow that footprint. And again, establish yourself as that trusted advisor. So I'm hearing there's no excuse to not be doing it. No excuse. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that this has been fun. And everybody out there, thank you for joining us. And uh, at this point, I'll say have a great holiday. Um, whatever, you know, enjoy all the holidays. I'm not going to tell you which one. Enjoy them all. There's plenty of holidays to be had in the month of December. And enjoy yourselves. And happy new year. And we will talk again in the new year. Take care, everyone. This has been Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Thank you for listening.